perhaps the most underappreciated person in the Fun Sexy Bible Time universe. Uh, you, my lovely <laughs> wife. Um, perpetual uh, substitute when <laughs> when things fall through. Always, always, always waiting in the wings, ready to step in. That's okay. It only took us four days to finally. <laughs> So, so you're supposed to be no offense, but you're supposed to be Jessica Thompson. Um, None taken. Not not in the marriage, but <laughs> on the on the podcast. And um, long story short, we had some technical difficulties that prevented Jessica from connecting with me. Uh, there will not be near as much wonderful laughter mm, without Jessica. She has the best laugh. So, as you want to do, you, you said, you know what, I'll step in, I'll do the episode, just as long as we don't get too far into the uh, the rabbit hole of, of Christian Twitter and evangelical nerdery. Right. Um, and, and maybe not quite the, uh, the inappropriate humor. Maybe not. We would have. I think we're safe with this subject. We are. We are. We uh, we wanted to do this for a while. Uh, we wanted to just take an entire episode and sort of talk about uh, just a single McGee and Me episode. And if you're over the age of, I don't know, 45 or under the age of 25, you might know what that is. But if you're our age, that was probably right in your wheelhouse as a Christian growing up in the 90s. Um, McGee and Me, live action, focus on the family, put this out. It was a series of, I don't know, I think there were probably like 10 of them total. Was that all? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, focus on these. They're really well done. For, I mean, they're dated now, but they're in the time they were really well done. And I think focus on the family was, was kind of putting this out there, hoping to get like some mainstream eyeballs on it. Um, because the, uh, like the, the faith part of it was sort of underplayed. I thought like they were really, like they wanted to be entertaining first and it was, it never really felt preachy. No. When you're when you're watching, it's kind of like Veggie Tales. It's like a, that's a good comp for it. Is Veggie Tales is like live people Veggie Tales? No, <laughs> I mean like live action. No, but just like in the version in the scope of it, it's a lot like Veggie Tales in that it's it's Christian, but it's not like overtly so. Like you you know, it's it's digestible if you're if you're not a believer. If that makes sense, right. Um, so I can remember McGee and me, it was, it was a big deal, uh, because it was the kind of thing that they would show in, in children's church. Like anytime a new McGee and me came out, they'd show clips from it. Um, I can remember the VHSs in the Baptist bookstore, uh, growing up, that was a big deal. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you have a recollection of, of that? I was a little late to the game with McGee and me. I probably saw it a little while after it came out. Public school heathen is what you were. Well, I didn't really... I was here and there to church, not nearly raised in it. Yeah. So we're going to tackle the uh, the very first episode of McGee and Me. It's called The Big Lie. Debuted in 1990. It was a couple, couple years ago. Couple. <laughs> a couple years ago. So I've, I saw that. We, we own that one. And I saw it approximately 500 times when I was growing up. <laughs> Um, but it's on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it in clips where you can find the whole thing. There's a, there's a VHS rip of it on YouTube. Um, how many times do you think you've seen it? Two. Two. 
<laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. I I was not like I knew what it was, but I did not watch it a whole lot. I watched like all kind of crazy movies growing up. If you've never seen McGee and Me, it's it's a it's a really nice snapshot of of where like how much how many resources Focus on the Family had like at that point. I would describe 1990 as pretty close to like the, the pinnacle of of their power, maybe. Um, you know, this is coming towards. Uh, well, maybe not. I'd, I'd say maybe like early '90s, especially like when Clinton was in office. I think they had a lot of a lot of sway because people were turning to them and, and looking for, you know, the conservative conservatives were looking to them to sort of be the resistance at that time. Um, but man, they really put a lot of money into this. Yeah, like the production values were were really high. It was intense. It was good. Uh, I think I read somewhere, and I, sh- I should have this in front of me, but I don't. But I think I read somewhere where they, like, the the ultimate end game of McGee and Me was to get it, like, on Saturday morning TV, like, nationally really? syndicated. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, I need to look this up. But I think they actually, like, got the p- pilot ran one time, I think, like, maybe on ABC or something. But hmm. they uh, they couldn't, they, they decided not to carry it. Uh, so it just became like a video series. Gotcha. Um, so if you've never seen McGee and Me, this this will be a good introduction for you. We're gonna break break it down. We've got some questions. Uh, <laughs> got a lot of questions, um, especially with with the introduction. The introduction is like a uh, probably like a two minute uh, credit sequence with a, a Rube Goldberg esque machine. Nick is an, in, the, the protagonist, Nick, the boy is an inventor and likes to design all these machines. Uh, it was pretty elaborate. I would say. Yeah. There's this big machine where he sets a marble going and then it goes down this track and 60 seconds later, he sticks his pencil in a gumball. It's a gumball machine with a fish living inside of it. And when he puts his pencil in, the dial twirls around and around, and it sharpens his pencil. And I've seen it, like I said, 500 times. I still have no idea how that actually sharpened the pencil. Yeah, I think I kind of let that go. I didn't really focus a whole lot on it. <laughs> where did the shavings go? Like, where? Like he just sticks in and pulls it out. I don't know. And, like, the fish is living inside the gumball machine? Like, how does he Maybe feed the, the fish? Fish bowl. Oh. Yeah, that's a I good thought, question. Like, how does he do that? You were alarmed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to pick something out because you're <laughs> you wanted me to. Look uh, talk at. about what you what you found in the. Uh, I was trying to identify what he was looking for. He wanted me to watch it, and there were these like, uh, I don't know, fifties style waitress looking ladies with buxomness. <laughs> With buxomness, what, what does that mean? Can you explain that? Large boobs. <laughs> I I I, you know, I saw it, but like I didn't quite catch it until you said something. But that is kind of weird. Like, focus on the family would do this show about a boy, and he has like these very <laughs> statuesque like. Maybe they were his of... grandmas. They had just moved into his grandma's house. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Just some random <laughs> old. Lamps or something. No, they were like hooked to a jukebox or something. No, I think they were like bookends. Bookends, maybe. Yeah. Okay. They were on the bookshelf. Something. We'll have to we'll have to tweet 
anything we talk about like this, we'll tweet it out from the uh, the Fun Sex Bible Time Twitter account, so you can get a, an idea of what we're talking about. You can That'll give be us one of some them. answers if you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. any answers. Uh, so, basic premise of McGee and Me is McGee is a cartoon char- character because, in addition to being an inventor, Nick is a an artist, and he you'll see in the opening credits he draws this sketch of a Scottish looking uh, cartoon character and the thing comes to life and Nick is like, Oh, it comes to life. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the hook of the entire series is that Nick will have these adventures in real life. And then the cartoon character will come to life and talk to him. And he's the only one apparently that can see McGee. Right. So that begs the initial question I have is Nick in fact crazy. I don't think so. He's lonely. <laughs> he needs a friend. Is is McGee just a figment of his imagination, or is McGee actually alive? Okay, babe. It's like a, it's like a Calvin and Hobbes <laughs> thing. Like, is the tiger actually alive? I know because in Calvin and Hobbes, the tiger is not alive. It's just all happening in Calvin's mind. Well, in the mind. show, he's obviously alive. Okay, <laughs> if if. Nick has the power to draw cartoon characters that come to life. Just one. Well, we don't know that. <laughs> like, you you really think he's just going to stop after McGee? Like, you don't think he's going to be drawing all kinds of stuff? I think that one was just the one magical one. I don't think that he can do it again. That's why he was so surprised. you see how big his eyes got? Yeah. Well, in the episode, he does draw a picture of Jesus, and Jesus does not come alive. No. That, that would definitely throw a kink in the plot if Jesus came alive, if he drew him and he came alive. But I guess my point is, like, if you're Nick, like, you're going to be trying to make other things come alive, right? Like, you're going to be drawing dinosaurs and motorcycles and... He didn't seem in prob- too big of a hurry. Probably too. babes. Like, <laughs> Buck some babes. <laughs> yeah, he just had, like, notebooks full of full of babes that he's drawing to try to make them come alive. Just praying they'll come out. <laughs> now you're getting a little close to my to my childhood, so we're going <laughs> to let that go. We're going to move along. All right, so the, the, the premise of, of The Big Lie is that Nick, uh, Nick is new in town. He's a new kid at school. Uh, family moves into town so his dad could take a job at the newspaper. Uh, that That did not age well. Um, no. pretty sure that job's not going to be there in about 15 years. Um, living, uh, is it with the dad's mom or the mom's mom? I'm not sure. I can't remember. I want to say it's probably the dad's mom. Yeah. Uh, so you've got Nick, uh, mom, dad, sister, and, and grandma all in the big house. Doesn't know anybody in the town. Uh, take it from there. What happens next? He goes to school. Well, he tries to wait. Does he? He gets to school and gets in trouble. He keeps getting in trouble for things other people do. He gets left holding the spray cans as the people spray paint the coach or whatever, or not spray paint him. <laughs> they do the graffiti an image of him on the wall, and then he's left holding the cans and gets in trouble. And then on his way home. He runs into this <laughs> punk kid. Yeah, on the way home. They, that's where we first meet Derek. Actually, I think Derek's Derek's guys were probably the ones that were doing the spray painting. I probably. think we don't. You don't really get a good look at him, but um, 
the first time you really get a good look at Derek is, is after school on the way home. And uh, he looks like he's about to beat Nick up. And Nick's reaction is really weird, too, because he it's like he doesn't understand he's in trouble. Derek has like got him by the by the shirt and is, he calls him Squid, which I you know, yeah, that's kind of a 1990. Weird. I guess that made sense, but um, he has he's about to beat him up, and then Lewis comes by and kind of talks Derek out of it. Um, but Nick's reaction to that is really weird. Like he at no point did he ever look worried in the least. He looked a little worried, but he didn't understand. Like you said, he was pretty naive to what was actually happening. Yeah. Um, I got some questions for Lewis. I'm pretty sure Lewis is bigger than Derek. Derek is not that big. No, um, he's pretty scrawny. Yeah. But he's, you know, he's got strength in numbers with his cronies. Yeah, he had two and sometimes three guys with him. Um, and one of the guys that he had with him had just an incredible mullet. Like, it, it is just everything you'd ever want from an early 90s mullet. <laughs> I'll have to post a pic of that on, on the Twitter account too, but um, definitely got some questions of like, if you're Lewis, like you can't handle Derek. And especially if you got Nick, well, Nick is just a wuss though. Like he is just an incredible wuss. Um, which you know, How old is he supposed to be? I think they're supposed to be what, like nine or 10 maybe. That's it? No, they gotta be older than that. Probably gotta be probably 11, 10 or 11. Okay. How old is Derek supposed to be? Probably about the same age, right? I don't know. Um, they they really did a poor job advancing the ages of the characters because, like, um, Nick is like just about through puberty towards the end, and they're, they're doing episodes like where he's in middle school, <laughs> or like <laughs> he's like in eighth grade, and he looks like he's about twenty. Really? It's a they they didn't plan it out very well. I don't believe. Um, so anyway, uh, we meet the supposed secondary antagonist of the story, uh, the mysterious Mr. Ravenhill, who in an American Indian who lives in that rundown house a couple blocks from Nick and, uh, on a dare, Nick goes up to the house and accidentally falls through the, uh, the storm door into the cellar and meets Mr. Ravenhill, who is essentially harmless and lives with a bunch of animals uh, but then when the other kids asked Nick what it was like inside Mr. Ravenhill's house, uh, peer pressure kind of gets to him and he decides to maybe go along with some of the crazy stories. Yeah, he lets them believe whatever they want to believe and doesn't correct them. And this is uh, this is this is where I, I come in with with my hot take. Okay. Uh, because when Derek hears what everybody is saying. That Mr. Ravenhill is a bloodthirsty Indian who eats animals and is, is menacing children in the neighborhood. And Nick does nothing to contradict that and, and maybe even confirms that. At this point, Derek and his group start making plans to attack Mr. Ravenhill, to attack and vandalize his house. Right. So my hot take is, is Derek not justified? Mm, I think he just wants the attention. He he did, but his action, I mean, if you have someone who, I mean, if you have a, a dangerous criminal, criminal 
in your neighborhood and no one is doing anything about it. And you think he's about to kidnap and eat children. And you, you, you round up your goons and you go over and you, you attack his house. I mean, I feel like that's like Derek's basically justified given what he knows. Mm, I don't think so. I ride hard for Derek. I ride hard for Derek. I think Derek is cool. I don't. Derek I don't is care a lot. Derek. Derek is a lot cooler than Nick. I'm just throwing that out there. Derek's truly a, a wuss at heart. I think. How dare you, Derek is the <laughs> Even man. Even with his little ear piercing. <laughs> Derek is the man. Derek has like a like a starter mullet. It's, it's kind of long in the back, but he, he also has the uh, the backwards hat and the earring. Yeah, but if you want to pick on little teeny wusses, then that makes you. Well, Mr. Ravenhill wasn't a wuss, as far as Derek knew. He was a dangerous a dangerous child murderer, and Derek took him on in broad daylight. It was in broad daylight at first. So, <laughs> Derek Skins, they go to Mr. Ravenhill's house at night and they break a window. Right as uh, Nick is having a crisis of conscience. and that'll teach him. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, you get a, a nice nighttime montage of Derek and his goons meeting up in the street to go break a window in Mr. Ravenhill's house, um, which I always love that in, in, in the movies and in shows like that. Like Derek's what, like 12? And like he was like allowed to like just roam the streets at night. Times were different. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get written permission to go to the bathroom in my own house. <laughs> There was no way I was going to be allowed to do that. Um, a lot of problematic things in this movie, or this, uh, I say movie, it's, it's just a, a it's show. It's pretty much a movie. Yeah, it's pretty much a movie. Uh, a short movie. I think my favorite part is, uh, my favorite part of the whole thing is, <laughs> is uh, Nick is at school. This is after Derek has attacked the Indian's house once, and then Derek decides he's going to go back and finish the job i guess and uh, lewis finds nick and is like hey come on Derek and his goons are gonna go put the finishing touches on old cochise <laughs> probably could not have that line included in 2019 probably not probably not i i can only imagine if focus on the family put that out now like just the number of tweets i'm gonna throw out a deep cut reference just just go with it okay that, that caitlin curtis would would throw out there. I mean, it would number in the dozens. Yeah, I have no idea who and that it is. Would be, it would be glorious. Moving on. Just roll. <laughs> uh, so Nick flies back. He runs across town. Like doesn't take the bus. Like runs home. Like through traffic to Mister Ravenhill's house and almost gets hit by a car. That was. That, don't ask me why I remember that. Um, and then gets to Mr. Ravenhill's house right as Derek and his, his goons are done, like, trashing it. Like, they uh, basically just, like, overturn the barrels on the uh, on the porch. And for some reason, he's got, like, like big containers of dirt laying around, and they just throw the dirt everywhere. I don't, I don't know what that was about, but um, he had some uh, pigeons in, in crates, and they... Let the pigeons go. <laughs> I don't know what that was supposed they to be. They broke about. all the cages and destroyed everything. Yeah. And then, what's the deal with? Did they hurt him and the rabbit, or did they hurt the rabbit? And then he's holding the rabbit and it's bleeding. You see the bleeding? 
Yeah, I remember the blood. I don't remember if that was the rabbit's blood or if it was his blood. I want to say like he cut his hand on the glass or something. Oh, maybe. Um, but like, so we, I mean, we know pretty early on, like we know before the school kids know that Mr. Ravenhill is, is harmless, that he's just kind of a recluse that takes care of animals and he's not eating the animals and he's not, you know, dangerous to children. Or anything right. Like that. Cause we, grandma talked about him the night before. And... Yeah. So we know that. The kids all find out. I don't know if Derek ever found out about it. He might, you know, to this day, might oh, not right. realize. Um, He's got to be in the know. Uh, yeah, but so we we know Mr. Ravenhill is is sort of harmless. But here's my question: and His house was attacked twice. Once a sustained attack in broad daylight, just like random youth coming out and destroying things. Like, you wouldn't call the cops, like, at any point? I would. <laughs> what are you doing, Mr. Ravenhill? Like, what are you, like, you just hiding in your house while people attack you? Maybe you didn't have a phone. <sighs> I, I don't know why, like, what, what do you, do? if you can't get out, like, where did the animals come from? Like, you're living in the middle of suburbia. Like, you're not on the edge of the woods. Like, where did you get all these wild mm, animals that's from? That's a good question. They were animals that came close enough that you could take them in. <laughs> you got like pigeons and rabbits and raccoons and all that stuff. Like, they how did you injured. get them all? They were injured. That's Maybe people thing. brought them to him or something. That's another thing. Why are the, all the animals hurt? Like, because he's taking care of the hurt ones. What does he do when he gets nurses them back to health? Keeps them as his pets. <laughs> Maybe he eats them then. Like Matthew, he does not eat them. He gets them back to health. He um, loves them. They're his friends. I, I, what did he do for, like, how does he get money? Like, how does he pay He's for retired. all this stuff? I, I guess. <laughs> From what? I don't know, but. Uh, maybe he sold buxom figurines at, <laughs> at flea markets. Maybe. That's a big house, even though it was, like, ruinous. It was big. Yeah. Yeah, it really wasn't a bad, it really wasn't bad shape. I feel like the neighbors probably wouldn't have tolerated that. I don't know. Like in you the have city, a, a blighted there. house where you just like stores animals in it. Like I feel like they're probably gonna get the city involved at some point. Maybe, maybe nobody. Just he was harmless, so they just let it go. Maybe so. Another thing is, like Derek and all his guys—they're really, really small. Yeah. Like they're all just little kids basically i mean what like like four foot i don't know i can't judge right <laughs> like, like i mean i don't know that any of them were even five feet tall like they were all just really small yeah they looked kind of scrawny so like if you're a grown man like you couldn't have just gone out there and just like defended yourself just ran them off like what are they gonna do none of them had any weapons maybe he was too peaceful for that I just, I got some problems with you, Mr. Ray. <laughs> it wouldn't have fit the story the way they wanted it to go if he would have fought back. Maybe it was like, like the night before he's drawing that picture of Jesus while they're like throwing the rocks in the windows and 
maybe that's like foreshadowing or something of like, okay, well, Jesus was peaceful and he, you know, he, he was willing to go to the cross. I don't know. This is stretching it probably. This is a valid hot take. I've never thought about this. You're saying that Mr. Ravenhill was supposed to be Jesus? Yeah. Like a picture of Jesus, oh. kind of. Like, because, you know, it shows while his house is being, like, attacked, he um, is drawing that picture of Jesus. And then the guy is bleeding. Like, it shows, isn't it like a crown of thorns that he draws on his head? Um, the next for the picture? picture? Of Je- yeah. Yeah. And so then he's bleeding when he when he sees him after the second vandalism vandalism I can't say that and so maybe that's like supposed to be a picture of of Jesus I don't know very nice yeah, so you got two competing hot takes here a that Mr. Ravenhill was a wuss and b <laughs> that he was the uh, portrayed as a picture of our risen savior so, so know, there you go there you go <laughs> You got two choices. Uh, let's go uh, MVP of this episode. Who's your MVP mm. of this episode? I think Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> I, I really thought you were going to be just kind of eggs it on, though. He's kind of... I really thought you were going to say the girl. Like the girl with the real fuzzy or wavy hair. Like their classmate. Oh, yeah. That little girl who's like, well, you just... <laughs> You wouldn't do anything. She said, so, oh, she I believe the line was like, uh, Derek is like messing with Nick in the hallway. And uh, the little girl like walks between them and is like, what would you know about guts, Derek? You won't even go near the place. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, finishes it with a, hi, Nicholas. He's like, hi. <laughs> Googly eyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, my MVP of the episode is definitely Derek for trying to defend the neighborhood. I don't like from him. A, from a no. perceived threat. I don't know. I might go with the dad. Yeah, you thought the dad was hot. I did not. <laughs> no, but he, you know, he was able to pick up on Nick was having some trouble and he was pointing him in the right direction and got his mind right. Sort of a perfect focus on the family dad. Yeah. Of just like, uh, you know, very grounded and sort of perfectly portrayed. Well, not perfectly portrayed, but. Uh, underrated. Who's your underrated person in this episode? Hmm. Yeah. Who's yours? Uh, well, we already talked about the the girl, uh, the hi Nicholas. <laughs> um, I mean the coach. The coach. The coach couldn't have known that that little kid wasn't that Nick wasn't doing all that stuff. He couldn't have known the real culprit. He yeah, didn't have Coach Slater. I mean, he's not even underrated. I just I just need to talk about Coach Slater for a second. Like, are you a moron? Like, you you've been in this school with Derek and his his goons for for years, and and you're wise to their shenanigans. Like, you do you really think that this dweebish little new kid is going to vandalize the school on his very first day? Right, and be like. Late on purpose and... Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. For underrated, uh, I got to go Lewis. I mean, Lewis shows up at the right time to talk Nick out of getting beat up. Uh, he's definitely underrated yeah. character, in my opinion. I liked him, but he did kind of egg things on, but he didn't know, so I guess. Mm-hmm. But he wanted there to be a story. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted it to be bad. Overrated character. Mm, overrated. Mine's got to be the coach. Like, what are you doing, buddy? Like, yeah, I agree. He's kind of a goon himself. Yeah, you think the coach is Derek's father in real life? <laughs> Maybe. Well, not in real life, but like in the in in the movie. Because I'm sure, like, if they went in, like into like Derek's. Well, actually, I think they at one point they did talk about Derek's father. Really? I think, in an episode, I can't remember now. I might be mixing this up with another Focus on the Family thing. So I need to I need to rewatch all the episodes again. Before I say that, um, but Derek, like my my big McGammy take is that like this the series like really isn't about Nick. I think the the whole series is really about Derek because really? Derek's got the like the by far the is more, he in it every time? He's he's featured like in a bunch of them, and he has like the, the more interesting character arc uh, because you see him emerge as a villain again in um, the the skateboard episode. What's it called? Uh, um, I can't help you. <laughs> I don't know. Skate expectations. That was that was the one where Nick challenges Derek to a uh, to a skateboard race. Nick uh, challenges Derek, or Derek challenges me. Uh, I think I don't know. It might have come from Derek. It's been a while since I've seen that one. Uh, but Nick accepts the challenge, and they they end up racing uh, through town on skateboards. Um, so he he stays like the the villain for a while, and uh, has like a uh, nice little bend to his character arc, where he sort of becomes the anti hero in uh, towards the fight before Christmas, and then uh, then his Nick, his Nick sort of goes the other way and starts falling to peer pressure. There's actually a, a pretty cool scene in. Um, Oh, what was that one called there towards the end? Uh, Do the Bright Thing? I think that might have been it. Hmm. Um, one of those there towards the end where uh, Derek actually pulls Nick into like the, the bathroom at school and like berates him for not being true to himself. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like he's coming around and Nick is falling. Yeah, and you actually realize that like, hey... You know, maybe maybe Derek is is the is the heart of this series. You know, underneath it all, maybe it's not really about Nick. Um, it's about redemption. Yeah. Also, can we say McGee? Absolutely no help whatsoever. No, he really isn't to anybody in this entire episode. Uh, he just sort of like he doesn't have any good advice for Nick. Um, doesn't help Nick really in, in any way, like at no. any point of this. He's he's almost like Nick's id. I just you know he just wants to watch the world burn. Yeah, he's not not helpful. Um, and uh, what was the deal with all those? I guess it was just to be exciting, but the cartoon parts where like yeah. he's like like there's like all kind of weapons and. The, the cartoon segments have not really aged super well. The um, interspersed in these these episodes is they have little cartoon vignettes, 
um, to kind of hammer the point home, I guess, uh, of whatever. Or to make it kind of funny. I guess. Um, it, it is kind of distracting a little bit as is you're sitting there trying to watch it because it's kind of weird the, the animation has not aged well at all like the, the live action scenes are dated and and like you can you can handle dated but the the, the animation is is not super well done at all uh, and in this one there's a you know that that big vignette about the baseball game and mcgee frames some little kid for breaking a window and yeah, but then there's no not, there's no resolution to yeah, that. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Like McGee learns his lesson, I guess, but then like is not, you know, it's not like he's helping Nick <laughs> towards the end. That, that sort of has to come from his dad. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it goes back to my original question: Is McGee even real? Just we'll never know. <laughs> So here's my final question to you okay. is, are we allowed as a podcast, in addition to the t-shirts we have, are we allowed to sell FSBT figurines? <laughs> what do they look like? They're def- they might be moderately buxom. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll work on this. No. <laughs> <laughs>